0: Welcome to the Digital Thoughts Podcast. My name is Zan Sayed, and I am a pharmacist turned product manager. I have almost 10 years of clinical experience in oncology, ranging from inpatient all the way to outpatient. My goal with this podcast is to bring people from all sides of the conversation together so that we can learn from each other and build a better healthcare system. In this podcast, we discuss everything digital health from the people to the products. If you do enjoy what you listen to, please consider giving this podcast a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help a lot. Thank you very much, and let's get into the episode. Today we have an awesome guest, Sugantan Malalingam. He is a man of many talents. He is a dentist and also a copyright. In this episode, we discuss how he became a copywriter and why it's so important to hire one. We also discuss how he ended up working with Little Wayne, and also why email is still king. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Uh, hey Sugantan, how are you doing?
1: Hey Zane, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's 11 p.m. right now, <laughs> here, so, so I'm fighting off the, uh, you know, that tiredness. But yeah, I'm good.
0: I'm good. Yeah, well, I appreciate appreciate you making time, man. I really, really appreciate that a lot. Um, would you mind giving the audience a little introduction about you and what you do?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm I'm Sugs. So I'm Saganthan, uh, a dentist, basically, well, based in London. But I I work in Hertfordshire, which is like a little county just outside London, Um, work four days a week. And the other thing I do is copywriting. So copywriting is basically, for those who don't really know what it's about, it's basically sales through print, so sales through words. So you're not, uh, it's essentially influencing people's decisions, but through the written word. So before, back in the day, it would be like things like sales letters and things like that. Whereas nowadays you're talking things like Facebook ads and social media content and things like that.
0: That's awesome, man. So how did you get into copywriting? I mean, because you're a dentist right now. Like, how did that? Were you doing copywriting before you became a dentist? Did it come after? Kind of together.
1: I think I probably had like the stereotypical Asian uh, (laughs) upbringing. Whereas, like, I was I was definitely into writing as a kid. Right, like that was my. Thing. I loved English. English was probably my f- like favorite subject at school, but classic Asian parents—it's like, well, what the hell are you gonna do with English? <laughs> so it's like, okay, cool. Um, stumbled into dentistry, which is its own long story in itself. And then um, I've always written, right? So like writing stories, I was writing music, poems, things like that. And then I think it was probably yeah, was early last year, so early 2022. I was kind of like, okay. I was doing all these these writing projects, but I wasn't doing it for any sort of like monetary purpose. It was just like, okay, cool. I just want to see how it works. Like, just create for the sake of creating. And then literally, I mean, there's lit. I, I literally googled like, okay, how can you make money from writing? Like, that was, <laughs> that was it. And copywriting was like one of the first things that came up. And then I just kind of went down the rabbit hole. Um, but I think a lot of the stuff that people see about copywriting now, which I didn't realize at the time, is that like it's one of those i think some people perceive it as like a get rich quick thing like like drop shipping or amazon fba or like that kind of thing whereas when i got into it it seemed a lot more like there's an art form to it there's a lot more creativity to it whereas there are you know scammy people in the space in the same way there are with any other space right
0: that's awesome man yeah um think that's where a lot of things start with just a simple google search and you kind of just go down the rabbit hole but that's awesome man so when did you when did when did this become like a viable business for you i'd say
1: probably um well when i started out i started out on like freelancer sites so um i don't know if you've heard of of websites like upwork so that was like where i got my first few jobs and i was literally getting paid like absolute <laughs> garbage like um yeah you know, you know it, it to be honest with you when I first got into it it wasn't I wasn't trying to outpace what I earned as a dentist you know I'm, I'm doing okay it wasn't like a desperation money grab kind of thing it was just a way to kind of facilitate my creativity but also generate money from it, so it was like um and generate a business out of it, so I think probably the f- I'd say when I really first started picking up pace was like summer okay, 2022. That's when things started really picking up in terms of I was getting clients word of mouth. I wasn't having to do as much of these kind of, you know, $5 an hour jobs, which are just like awful content writing, like write 10,000 hours by 5pm today kind of thing. Yeah, like it was it was more they were more hiring me on my talent, not just for the sake of getting you know like nowadays sorry to go on a tangent here but it just really annoys me because i see a lot of people go on about like chat gpt and these ai solutions and those i feel like they're going to eliminate a lot of these kind of lower tier content jobs where it's like yeah you 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 write 10000 words of complete drivel like literally the stuff makes no sense you're just writing it to to satisfy an algorithm on google I think a lot of those are going to get eliminated by AI eventually but yeah that's just me going on a tangent.
0: Yeah no um that's a tangent that, that I mean, we can we can explore but uh yeah no, I agree. I think the I don't think AI is going to get rid of everything like you know like the higher level copywriting because you still need the pers- the personal touch to it. You need like that emotional attached to it because I mean I've used ChatGPT and all these AI writings not all of them but some of them. And there's there's no like emotion to it. It's just like it's just matter of fact. Which is great for like, you know, a headline or like a quick like thing, but it's not writing blogs. Like, I mean, I've tried to write full on blogs uh, with it and just, just try it. And it just, it sounds literally very robotic, but, but yeah, man, um, that's awesome. So what kind of, what kind of the main, what are the main clients that you, um, service right now?
1: So I think right now I've kind of focused more on like, uh, healthcare. Um, which obviously made more, more sense when I was starting out, but it was just difficult to get a foot in the door initially because a lot of healthcare clients, which I'll get onto at some point, probably, a lot of healthcare clients, especially bigger businesses, they either have people in-house or they're looking for, you know, specifically people with a copywriting background. Yeah. Um. So that's why I was just trying to accumulate as much, you know. Uh, so before I was literally working with, like, plumbers and, like, one of the clients was like a it was a supplement company, but you know I'll be honest it was like snake oil it was, it was it was garbage products like I just didn't want to be in that space so I'd say nowadays I've kind of niched down into my own space, which is like dentistry right so dentistry is probably the easiest thing for me to get into because I genuinely understand the market from both sides so I understand companies who are say for example marketing to dentists I understand it like the way i the way i like to explain it to companies is look you're literally trying to market to me yeah (laughs) so who better to write the copy than me because i'm going to know what i want as a dentist so um yeah so predominantly a lot of a lot of practices now um and like med spas things like that at the moment
0: very cool man um so what are the kind of things you're writing are you like are you doing like ads or are you doing kind of like patient outreach like what kind of um things or just kind of all of the above
1: Yeah pretty much I'll, I'll be honest at the moment it's probably a bit more of a jack of all trades so a lot of I'd say my specialty is probably email marketing and um like funnels so things like uh landing pages and things like that for for SaaS companies that's what I'm kind of trying to niche down into so like going into 2023 that's what i want to try and focus more on because as much as i love the variety of being like a jack of all trades and writing a bit of uh you know emails and landing pages and facebook ads i love doing a little bit of everything but ultimately i think to master the specific thing is a lot more valuable to businesses um so yeah definitely i want to focus more on funnel building um and i kind of want to narrow down more into the sas kind of space especially within healthcare because i think there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming out and um it'll be good to be a part of it really
0: uh so for those who don't know could you define what a funnel or and, and what a sas is
1: oh yeah yeah of course so SaaS is um basically software as a service so a lot of companies like um that are basically offering solutions so for example within dentistry um one of the big ones is is like uh client management systems so say for example as a as a dentist you might have let's say hypothetically you have ten thousand patients on your database you might have some sort of uh marketing automation that sends out emails based on how frequently the the patient comes so you might have a specific email that you send for a patient that attends every six months specific email that you send for a patient that comes every year or every two years um but that's just an example of a, of, of a software but there's many different things where they're subscription based predominantly um and that's how they operate and then in terms of funnels so funnels literally what it says on the tin so it's like you are attracting a client from a lot of the time it's cold leads so cold leads meaning someone who's never heard of you before and you're taking them down literally a funnel so it'll be you attract them through some sort of lead magnet so so again lead magnets kind of it could be a free offer so it could be an ebook um it could be a free course or a free video training video something along along those lines and what you're doing that for is to get their email in exchange once you get their email and then you can kind of nurture that person into what we call a warm lead which is someone who's genuinely interested in what you have to offer so yeah that's basically what a funnel is it's it's kind of Customer journey.
0: Yeah, and um no, thanks for explaining that. And then, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not saying I'm like the marketing or sales guru, but you know, go I have like explored it here and there and the value of an email is so under I mean, an email is so undervalued by majority of people but outside of marketers. And it's kinda crazy how like just having that's like the number one thing that everyone's trying to do is is get your email because that's like the one thing nowadays they're you don't really have to pay for it, right? You're not trying to like fight for time. It's a personal connection in the personal email, and if you get a couple of clicks, I mean, I mean, you can probably correct me, but like most emails, if you can get like what thirteen, fourteen percent open rate, that's like really good, right? And uh, but like that's what everyone's vying. It's just insane, like how emails are are so valuable, but a lot of people overlook them.
1: But how have you found building your own cuz i know you've got your <laughs> list right
0: yeah i mean this mine is a struggle. mine is uh through a newsletter so mine my, so you know the i guess the tr- funnel or whatever is people for some reason find what i say interesting and then the newsletter is just a bigger like you know long form of what i'm writing about and you know mm. they want to and if they want to read more about it in like a much more longer form so what i do is i dive deeper into like healthcare topics linked with technology. So I'll take a technology or some sort of buzzword and kind of break it down and explain it to people that may not know it. And then I'll try to implement it in healthcare. So that's kind of what I do. And then from there you get the email address and then, you know, you can eventually, if I want to, if I had a product or something, I would have an audience to kind of go after. Right. So that's kind of what you're, that would quote unquote is my funnel. Right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Was. Yeah. So why is it important for healthcare providers to do like email outreach, uh, customer outreach? Why do you think that's really important nowadays?
1: I think, as you kind of alluded to, with email, it's free and it's so easy to, you know, you're literally in someone's personal space. There's no other kind of advertising that I can think of where it's like someone, you know, we check our emails, or at least I'll speak for myself anyway. I check my email at least like 10 times a day Mm -hmm. and that's probably, I mean, I guess partially is to do with the fact that I've got this business going on but also just generally like I just any email I get, even if it's quote unquote junk, I will still check it and read it. So by having kind of these email outreaches, especially for healthcare professionals, because there's a lot of education and I know like there's a lot of this stuff that we both talk about on LinkedIn where it's like a lot of it is down to communication when it comes to healthcare. Um, and the easiest way to get that message across is right in someone's inbox, right? Like when they're in your surgery or in your in your bay or, or practice, or whatever it may be, it's difficult to get the message across there and then. Like if you're trying to get across prevention messages, for example, trying to get it in a patient's head within you know the 15, 20 minute consultation that you're in is difficult. But if you can send an email to them over the space of you know two weeks you know little tidbits of information it's a lot easier to digest than someone just force feeding you a bunch of information expecting you to digest it
0: yeah no for sure and i think that and we can kind of then this can kind of segue into what you find is the best kind of email marketing right so, especially in the healthcare space so you know there's multiple kinds there's like the educational kind there's the one that's like flat out selling to you the one that's kind of like hey how are you doing like what What do you find you do the most in like the healthcare space to kind of go down that Um, funnel, to bring them back in?
1: I tend to, so I think with a lot of healthcare, it depends on what the the, the particular industry is. So for example, say for example, with me in in dentistry, if it's a dental practice, for instance, I prefer the more educational kind of content. So the kind of flows. So by flow, I mean often when you're doing email marketing, you might want to send out a sequence of emails. So it's not often you just send out just one email. Um, and that's it. You might want to send out a sequence of emails that might be about the same topic or might run along the same thread. Um, but it's explaining the same kind of thing, but in, in education, there is an element of selling and that's where copywriting comes in. It's, it's kind of, you are educating, but at the end of it, there's a, there's a, there's a sell. Um, And I think the nuance within healthcare is that the cell has to be a lot more discreet, right? Because there's a, there's a, there's a few reasons why big reason. And I'm sure this is as, as big in the U S as it is in the UK, but compliance is is huge. So there's about, you know, there's, there's regulators coming for your head. So if they see anything that remotely sounds false, they're going to come for your neck so it's it's important to kind of stay compliant in that regard. So you can't be coming with really hard, sleazy, like, uh, sales tactics. So a lot of these corporate gurus in, like, say, finance or the romance and relationship niche, for example, they can get away with saying a bunch of stuff that's completely untrue because there's no one that's going to really regulate them on it. I mean, in finance, to an extent, there's, you know, FTC and all these federal commissions and all the all the rest of it, but... It's not quite as stringent as as health, particularly in the UK, anyway. Um, so yeah, I think I think education with a little bit of persuasion at the end. I think that's the best combination for healthcare.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that one too. Like yeah, with healthcare, it's you know it's always different, right? It's not like you're selling them. Even though if it might be a SaaS product, it's not like you know you have to buy something. I mean, healthcare is a little bit more personal to people, and a lot of people are not. If you like come straight at them, like, and they'll be like, why, why are you trying to push so hard towards this? And that's, yeah, it's coming from the education angle, you're like, hey, I'm providing you a service. And these are the reasons why it's good to, you know, come in for a cleaning every six months or, you know, see your dentist, you know, it's this X, Y, and Z. But so let's say I'm a private practice physician or dentist. We can go to the dental rat, right? You're a private practice dentist. Like what... What can a person like you provide them? like why would they come why would somebody be like, "Okay, I need to go to you and what what will you be doing for them?
1: So with a private practice, it depends on what their actual pain point is, so like with me, I try not to shoehorn what I do into the practice and instead let it be the other way around so for example, some practices that i that I work with have a problem of not getting patients to come back so there might be a reason why that might be um and I'll depending on the uh what kind of channels the the practice has open so if they have emails for example and they have to have obtained consent so again I'm just going to keep this UK specific but I'm sure this applies in the US as well you have to have consent in order to send someone marketing emails particularly in healthcare this is really important with like data protection so just because you have uh patient's email in your database for their clinical use that doesn't mean you can all of a sudden spam them with marketing messages so it's important to clarify that just before i get into what i was going to say but yeah it it really depends on on what it is they're trying to to do so for example if they're trying to drive more traffic so get more invisalign patients let's say for instance that's like a popular one so get more invisalign patients get more implant patients all on fours these big high ticket items for dentists or um services i would say you know social media ads is probably the best way to go and myself as a writer i write the creative so i write the copy and the advantage of running with someone like myself and this is the way that i put myself across not only to dentists but just healthcare professionals in general is as a healthcare professional i get it right and like there's a there's there's copywriters out there that just understand the formulas and they know how to sell but like we just said like you you can't get away with just using these sleazy formulas and stuff because it can get you in a lot of trouble so i think the advantage of running with someone like me is that i literally do this as for a living like i am a dentist i still practice every day i practice well i practice four days a week so i work with patients every single day so i know what they want and i know their pain points i know what they say to me, I speak their language. Um, so that's kind of the way that I kind of come across. So I, would, I wouldn't say, oh, I use like a super special method or anything like that. It's just, I probably understand your clients better than most writers probably would.
0: Yeah. And that's really important, especially in the healthcare world. Cause I mean, when you're, you know, even if you're like trying to sell quote unquote, sell high ticket items, you're not doing it with malice intent, right? So, you're not going to give a person Invisalign or braces or take out their tooth if they don't need it, right? But a lot of times, I mean, I don't know from, I mean, from my experience, I don't know from yours, a lot of times it's just a matter of patients not knowing that you provide a certain service, right? Or them not knowing that, hey, this could go through your insurance, well, at least in America, <laughs> could go through your insurance and, you know, it might pay for this much, you know, why don't you come in for a consult? Like, I think a lot of that, so like, you know, like I think marketing and sales gets this like really bad rap and like people are like, oh, you're trying to sell to things. But to me, the the paradigm shift that happened to me, like maybe a couple of years ago was, you know, somebody told me marketing and sales is not about selling. It's about solving a problem and people, and sometimes people just don't know about, you're just trying to educate them. It's just, you're just educating them back and forth. And then maybe you guys, maybe you can solve their problem. And that's for me, that's kind of when I, when I kind of put that when I kind of looked through that lens, it kind of got, not kind of, it got a lot easier, not only better for me, but also easier. Because I was like, okay, yeah, I'm just educating them. And if, if they want it, they'll come, they'll do it. If not, then whatever, you know, I'll just kind of move on to the next person.
1: Yeah, I think you're, you're completely right there. Like the, the backlash, well, I rarely get backlash, but the minimal backlash that I've got trying to market um, to dentists, is that there's a Facebook group, there's a big Facebook group that we have in the UK for dentists and I kind of wrote this little think piece on selling and my theory on selling is exactly what you just said. It's solving a problem. I don't think selling is this sleazy thing and that that you're trying to push on someone. You know, you shouldn't be trying to push. That's the whole point. That's sleazy selling to me. That's unethical selling. Is like trying to push something on someone that you know they don't need or they don't want. Whereas... Selling is just, like you said, solving a problem. And a lot of dentists had this ethical problem with it where it's like, okay, well, we shouldn't be selling. We should be, you know, giving patients choice and allowing them to make the decision. And I said, I completely agree with that, right? We're on the same page here, but I think it's a lot of healthcare professionals, especially with dentists, and this is, I'm sure this is more pronounced in the US where everything's privatised, But here, where we have this mixed grey area where we have a public health and a private health system, a lot of dentists are like, are we healthcare providers or are we businessmen? And it's like a very difficult line to to walk across because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, we want what's best for our patients. All of us do. But you, to an extent, you have to understand that you're still running a business or you're part of a business and that business needs to make money so the only way i think to to occupy that space ethically is is like you said like giving people what they actually want and helping them understand why they need it and if they want to make that decision that's on them you're not making the decision for them but as as a as someone who's selling you're just giving the benefits giving the features of what it is that you offer and let them make the decision
0: yeah and I mean, to the answer to the question, like, are are we businessmen or are we healthcare providers? We're both. You know, we have to be both. Because the other thing, you know, like in healthcare, uh, in every part of healthcare, we're basically trying to sell patients on treatments, right? So the patient doesn't, you know, like if somebody comes in, you're trying to either say, you need to go on this medication or you need to have this surgery or you need to have this procedure or you need to see me in six months. That's an, That's part of marketing. That's part of selling. Like we have to kind of convince them, right, to having skills you know like you know like copywriting like marketing and things like well in the end only helps us get our message across and not not to force them in a way but like it's all about communication it's all about education like if you're not able to get your point across to them and they say no to you and you know that's the right thing to do like for them to do that then honestly that's on you not on the patient because you didn't really you didn't really Portray why it was so important. You just probably give them the thing, and they said, "Okay, fine, whatever. I'm not going to do this right now."
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So, but yeah, man. So, I want to, if you don't mind, I don't. You, you, you had a post the other day. It was about one year about Lil Wayne and not was it Lil Wayne? Or it was Lil Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Do you mind kind of going to that story? It was kind of a. I really liked the story, and I, you know, kind of shared with uh, with the audience.
1: Yeah, of course. So um, basically, I've tried every sort of side hustle that you can probably think of. I was literally one of those kids that, like, I I was—I guess I was a bit of a nerd, right? So I tried to do a bit of everything. So the first thing I ever started out with was graphic design. And I was about 13, so this was, what, 15 years ago now. Uh, This was when MySpace was still a thing. So um, for those who don't know, hopefully people i'm not that bold, but it's like hopefully people know what myspace was it's it's, it was like the social network before facebook um and essentially with myspace there was everyone was on it so a lot of artists and um businesses and things like that were on myspace so as a 13 year old i didn't really know any better so i was like i learned photoshop and i was just doing like mixtape covers and flyers and myspace layouts which is basically like web design but it's for myspace so you could like customize your profile with these these funny graphics and all this kind of stuff so i was marketing that as a 13 14 year old getting paid little bits here and there and so i thought okay cool what i'm gonna do is to find clients so i was predominantly working with musicians right because i just i love hip-hop i love rap music so i was like cool i want to work with like big rappers so yeah as a 13 14 year old i was just dming or, I don't even know what it was called back then. Private message, I guess. Uh, like, a bunch of people. So I just, it was, uh, like, the, the biggest rappers at the time. Like, I just inboxed a whole load of them. Copy and pasting the same message. Nine times out of ten, wouldn't get any response. And then Lil Wayne, who was the biggest artist at the time. So for those who don't know, Lil Wayne is, like, basically, around that time, arguably the biggest artist in the world at the time, like he had multiple hits in the top ten, known all around the world whatever so anyway, long story short messaged his his manager didn't think anything of it he had a documentary coming out at the time, which was um pretty big, and uh he asked me to design the dVD cover for his documentary, and I was like, yeah of course, like uh, I, what do you mean like of course I'll do it like i, I was Literally on the verge of saying I'll do it for free, but I was like, that's a stupid move. So I was like, okay, cool, let me play it cool. So in my head, I thought $100, which actually is is not bad, to be fair. I mean, for a 13-year-old as well, it wasn't bad. It was like $100, that was in my head, $100, that's what I'm going to quote the guy. And then literally... As I was typing it, I was like, mm, he might say no. And then I just went down to 30. I, I I, wanted to, it was like my fingers wanted to type 100. And then I just backspaced it and then pressed 30. And I was like, okay, cool. I set that across. Anyway, he did the cover. um, And it was like, yeah, it was, pr- it was printed out. I still have the video somewhere. I need to find it on my hard drive somewhere where Lil Wayne's like holding up the cover. And he's talking about, yeah, this is my new documentary coming out. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Yeah, that was a pretty big moment for me.
0: That's pretty awesome, man. Um, yeah, I I mean, you bring up a, and also that story brings up a good point of knowing your value and you know going down. Is that is there? Do you have some advice as to or like anything that you did to kind of get over that? You know, putting instead of putting the hundred dollars, putting the thirty dollars. You know, as you're as you're kind of growing your business, it's something that I struggle with a lot of. I think a lot of healthcare professionals just struggle with in general is because we. I feel like most of us will do anything for free because that's just the way we're wired. I think we got into healthcare. Yeah. I think it 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 brings a certain type of person into it, for better or for worse. I'm not saying we're better than anyone or whatever, but it, there's like a certain mindset that we have when we come in. So how did you kind of get over that hump of like, yeah, no, I need to ask for what I'm worth because I'm worth it?
1: I'll be honest. I don't think you ever fully get over it. And as you said, if you're an empathetic person, that thought will always cross your mind. I think I've just got better at controlling it. So, like, I've experienced it as a dentist, Um, literally quoting, like, say, for example, there's a big treatment plan that a patient needs, and it's an old lady who's, like, 90 years old, and she's telling you she can't eat, you know, she's drinking soup throughout the whole day, she can't eat her favourite foods, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I've got a pension, but I can't rely on that. And then I'm like, I could just eat the fees here and just do it for free and my heart really wants to do it but it's like what we we're saying earlier like we're, we are business people at the end of the day and we need to make a profit we can't be operating a lot because it's not only me losing out it's also the rest of the staff there's nurses assistants receptionists they all need to get paid um so yeah as a copywriter I've made I had similar thoughts right so like working with non-profit organizations Do I charge them? Do I not? Is it unethical to charge a charity? You know, these are all thoughts that cross your mind. But I think ultimately what got me over that bump was realising my time has gone into this. So it's not only, you know, it's important not to look at it just as, okay, cool. I spent an hour of my time. My hourly rate, let's say, is £100 or $120 an hour. I'm going to charge that amount. That's not the case. You're charging for the value that you provide. So, for example, a dentist not only as a dentist or even as a copywriter, I've spent hours, in the case of dentistry, years, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, actually, of pounds of education to get me to this point. So you are not... If you're coming to me for a consultation as a dentist, you might have spent 15 minutes with me. You're paying for those years of knowledge that I've accrued, the postgraduate courses that I've done. As a copywriter, you're paying for the... the, the hours of courses that I've done and the practice and the, the effort that I've put in. And I think that's what it's important to understand is that like you can't afford to sell yourself short. It's all that time you put in to learn that skill. Other people need to value that. And if they don't value that, that's cool. Like you don't need to hold, you don't need to hold a grudge. And that's another problem I had. I used to hold a grudge when, you know, people would just turn me away, but it's like, it's cool. If people don't value you, that's fine. It's just, it just, it, it's not even a problem with them. It's not even a, oh, it's their problem. It's not my problem kind of thing. It's just, they, they just need someone else that can service them, service their needs better, I guess. And it's like someone, it's just about finding the right fit of client for you.
0: Yeah, man. Um, It's something that I still struggle with. Have you ever read a book called um, Never Split the Difference? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that book in itself was probably one of the most powerful books I've ever read. For those who don't know, it's, the author, I can't remember the name of the author. I'll probably I'll link it in the show notes below. But uh, basically, he was not basically he was a FBI um, hostage negotiator, and he was writing this book about how to negotiate <clears throat> and never splitting the difference. And the one part of that book that I really that really like caught my eye was there was an exercise where there were I think there were like two two groups, and they had to like sell something to each other. It was like a dollar and they had to like sell something to each other and whoever had the most won, right? So people were like feeling bad about asking for too much money. And then he says if they agree to pay the price, that means that they're okay with paying that price. So whether it was like, you know, $3,000, $100, whatever, it's if they agree to it, you don't have to feel bad because they agree to it. And that, I don't know why, I mean, it's such a simple thing, but I don't know why like reading that and I read that (laughs) book multiple times Reading that was like kind of life changing for me. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like even when I'm like, when somebody's when I when I go up to a price, it's usually because I can afford it, or I. I mean, there are some cases, obviously. I'm not saying like screw people over, but usually in most cases, they can afford. They they are willing to go up to that point, and yeah. But whoever, is... if anyone's having problems negotiating, whatever, that's a great book to start with. Because honestly, I would say that's one of the, I would say that was a life changing book for me.
1: No, you you're really right. I mean, even even on the other like if you're to flip it on yourself as a consumer you place the value on on things you place value on things that other people might not so for example i was thinking about this the other day so i was looking to invest in a course it's a copywriting course specifically about email marketing and it was like a thousand dollars or something and i was thinking okay this is literally some dude like he had like a little preview of the of what the course was like, and it's literally a dude who recorded a loom. So loom's like a little video walkthrough thing of uh what like someone sharing their screen essentially. And I was thinking, wait, so I'm literally gonna fork over a thousand dollars for a guy to record like what ten looms and send it to me. Like and I was thinking, wait, am I getting whipped off here or where's the value? Right? Like I But then I had to flip it on myself and think, okay, but this guy's accumulated all this knowledge, all this experience, and he's packaging it up for $1,000. And inevitably what it's going to be is that's an investment for me because that $1,000 is going to pay itself, you know, hopefully 10 times over in the future. And that's the way that I think about it with my patients. It's like, okay, cool. You might be paying $800 for a crown, but that crown's going to serve you for... 10 15 years so when you really think about it you know i don't know how much tires are over there but like a tire here is like 200 pounds to get fixed but it's 800 pounds to fix your tooth a tire will give way after about two three years you have to get it replaced no one flinches no one, no one bats an eyelid your mechanic tells you you need tires fixed tires replaced three years later you're like all right cool your dentist tells you you need, you need a crown and it costs 800 But that that crown could help you for 10, 15 years. You're going to need it for the rest of your life. You want to enjoy a steak. You want to enjoy your apples. You want to enjoy your food and enjoy a pain-free life. Um, And you know that could last you 10, 15 years. People are are less willing to do so, right? And that's that's not me putting blame on the patient or putting blame on people. It's more the onus is on the professional to explain that value to the patient
0: yeah and that's coming full circle back to what we started with with marketing and why it's not it's a communication it's about showing them the value right and if you can like you know like like what you mentioned right, um saying that hey, you just need this crown it's eight hundred eight hundred pounds versus hey, this crown will last you ten to fifteen years, it's eight hundred dollars, but you know then you don't you can you can enjoy your favorite foods, you can eat what you want without having pain, and like really going after. The why, I think the why is the biggest thing, right? Like under, mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people, even myself, kind of struggle with sometimes when, I, when I'm talking to patients is I try to really hone in on why they should be doing this, why they should be taking this medication, X, Y, you know, so on and so forth. But And then the other thing, how do you, so, you know, you being a dentist and if you're helping, you know, copywriting for um, like healthcare people, Do they ever say like, because theoretically, you know, like going back to your point, like we have all this experience and we can do it quicker for them. Right. And Mm. do you ever get any pushback of like, if you do something too quick and they're like, well, why are we paying you so much? You did it so quickly.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I I get that. And again, I get that in dentistry and in copywriting. Um, But I think those are the type of people, the type of patients and the type of clients that you with experience learn to sniff out. Because those are people that literally are... Anyone who, nowadays anyway, offers me an hourly rate as a copywriter, I tend to veer away from. And that doesn't mean absolutely everyone, but the vast majority of people who kind of ask me to quote an hourly rate, I tend to say, I'm probably not the best writer for you because you are quoting me based on output rather than value. right? And it's the same as... Me as a dentist, it's like, yeah, I've I've had the, I've had patients like that. You know, I've I've done a filling in, let's say, fifteen minutes, and they were like, oh but the you know they've gone down to reception and they're like, oh, he obviously didn't do a good job because the last dentist spent forty minutes doing it, and it's like, no, it took me five years of experience post graduation to get to that speed. The guy you might have saw, the guy you might have seen before, not not having you know. He might have had a bit less experience, or he might have used a different technique. It might have been. There's so many. You know, I think that's the the number one thing that frustrates me, um, as a healthcare professional, is that it's so difficult to explain why things vary to patients. Like they expect, and and you know this is this is not again. I don't want this to seem like I'm criticizing patients. It's more it's more the onus is on us as professionals to convey this, but it's like. I wish there was an easier way to convey to patients that, look, not everything's the same. Just because your best friend had this outcome doesn't mean you're going to have this outcome, or your mom had this outcome doesn't mean you're going to have the same outcome. And, um, Yeah. Again, sorry. I, 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 a bad habit of mine is to go off on tangents. <laughs> no, man. it
0: just... Thoughts just come through, flying through my head. But, yeah. um, I'm all good with tangents. I love tangents. No, and I... So... Uh I struggled with this too, because I would get things done really quickly when I was consulting and um there's this guy uh, uh Chris doe is his name d o is his last name uh, he's a designer he's got a youtube channel, or whatever and he so I was watching this you know I was just watching his things, whatever, and he said in one of them, so value- based pricing he's like always do value based pricing, so kind of what we were talking about you you were pricing out a project rather than hourly because um us being experts in the fields that we are in we're providing them because it, each business let me back this up he said approach it as in if they say hey you only did, you only took 5 hours when the last guy took 20 hours to do this then he said well that's why you're paying me because I'm an expert and I can do it much quicker and much better than they can and he's like that's how you got to approach it and to your point if they're giving you hourly rates then those may not be the clients that you want but uh but yeah he he was preaching the same thing he's like value based value based and you have to we also have to like kind of fight for our value, right? Like why we're doing it, right? You know, like, Hey, I've, I personally have 10 years of oncology experience in healthcare. I'm not some random dude just walking around saying, Hey, you know, I can help you with this, this, and this. And, you know, you obviously have an ex you know, extensive knowledge of dentistry, healthcare in general, copywriting now you've been doing it for a long time. You know, you're, you're much better than, you know, some kid coming out of college who took one English class and, you know, is writing a couple of Facebook ads for his friend who's doing a drop shipping class, you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, for sure, for sure. I think you hit the nail on the head there because I think it's like, you know, when you're just there's certain trades where you can kind of put it down to an hourly rate and it and it's fine because it's how replaceable you are without I mean that sounds a bit crude, but it's like for example um, you know, manual labor where it's like okay you're doing this repetitive task and anyone can step in and do the exact same task as you like there's not a lot of skill to be able to replace you that makes sense to do it on an hourly basis to say for example chopping wood right chopping wood i'm sure there are great wood choppers out there this is not a diss Um, but look i think end of the day you can get someone off the street and they can you can come in train them for relatively quickly and they could probably do the same skill so it makes sense to pay that person at an hourly rate Whereas, like you said for us it's like you're paying for a particular select expertise and i think to that point this is circling back to what i was saying earlier is that you kind of have to just find the clients that are willing to accept that that value proposition and um again it's not knocking the client like they they might be able to find a writer or a, or a or a healthcare professional who fits exactly what they're looking for. You're just not that person. And that's okay. Like, we don't have to beat ourselves up. And I think that's another thing that we do often is, like, the thing that really annoys or used to annoy me was when patients would ask for second opinions. Because I used to always think, well, wait, what, you do, not, do you not trust me? Or, like, do you think I'm, like, not, not good enough? And I'd be, like, I'd always get defensive. But then I'm like, no. They're One, they're perfectly within their right to ask for a second opinion. Two, I might just not be the fit for them. Like it might not have been anything I did wrong. It's just I wasn't what they're looking for at that particular point in time. Um, And I think it's just an important mindset shift for us all to have, Um, even for our own mental health, because sometimes it is really hard being in healthcare. Like you're dealing with people, you're dealing with people with expectations that are, often higher than you're able to meet and um yeah it's easy to beat yourself up
0: yeah no for sure i think and i think again we're we're all kind of in that same mold where no i mean i i can't really add much to that because that's that rings true with me too when i was when i was starting off like you know i i think a lot of it has to also like our value is attached to you know different outcomes and such so but but yeah man overall that's good, man. You got over that. But so um, so, what do you find is the best way to generate leads for you, for your copywriting business?
1: So I think um, over the past three, four months, what's really worked for me is LinkedIn. So that's how we actually ended up connecting is um, it's, it's through LinkedIn. And I think the reason why it's been so valuable is because you literally find so many people that are like-minded and people that you would have never come across um and you can literally you can generate leads by just being yourself putting content out there and people just come to you and you get what's called inbound leads so a lot of what has been happening for me recently is people have seen my content and it's just popped up on their feed because someone else in their network has liked it they shoot me a dm and then it's like okay cool like we're we're working but it's not like i get i get millions of likes you know I, i don't get a lot of likes and that used to annoy me initially because i was i still had that old social media mindset of like oh i'm not getting enough likes with this post like i need to write something that's going to go viral but yeah i found that's helped a lot i still stand by the fact same way i got lil wayne as a client i think i think i still stand by this 15 years later i think cold outreach is is always number one that's always going to win no matter what service i offer um it's always the best way to get people to get leads i mean get leads to come in um and i use cold email a lot so clients that i really want to work with i spend you know if it's a client i really really want to work with i'll spend half an hour 45 minutes drafting a proposal and yeah it's a gamble right like sometimes you will get rejected or you will just get airtime. like no one will respond to you you'll send five follow-ups no one will get back to you and it's it's part of the game you just got charges to the game
0: yeah, man, that's that's great. So I want to go touch on the cold email thing. So what do you... Cold email is something that I think scare, I mean scares the, scares the living daylights out of me too for the reasons you mentioned, like being unread. And it's I guess I have a two-part question. A, what do you find in your cold email that kind of is a pattern break? Like how do you kind of get people... Like the ones that have been most successful, has it been... Like what have you in, included in the cold email? And then two... How many follow-ups is too many
1: follow-ups? <laughs> okay. Um that's an interesting question actually. So with the first one, um I I find that the subject line is important but not to be clickbaity. Um I think a lot of people, including myself, get frustrated when you see an email, there's a subject line and then the the body of the email is completely unrelated. Like even if you come with the best possible proposal ever. Uh, it's an instant turn off if someone's been misled so I think coming with a you know don't overthink the, the subject line um, and also don't don't google best subject lines to use for cold emails because they're all trash I've tried them trust me I've done I've done I've done the research for you uh, it, it they all don't work so quick question or like hey quick question about blah 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 it, it, it doesn't work too well um, I find being just I know this sounds almost a bit cliche and a bit boring, but literally being genuine and expressing interest in what their business is about. I think when you're just trying to, when it looks like, okay, I'm just trying to get something out of you, it's it, yeah, that doesn't work. But often what I'll do is, um, so again, kind of going on a little bit of a tangent, but it is related. You mentioned, um, the Never Split the Difference book, another book that I would really recommend everyone to read, uh, particularly if you just got any sort of business or like. You're marketing anything it's, it's a book called hundred million dollar offers by alex Hormozzi. um that is i think most people that have read that book have been like yeah that's that's like changed the game for me um and it, and it has for me as well like so with my cold emails i use that a lot to help my cold emails like generating an offer that people would feel silly saying no to
0: um yeah yeah i, I just read that book also it's only 99 cents so you almost exactly <laughs> dumb i mean that's that's the whole point of his book right i think he said he only made it 99 cents because he had to put a price down and that was the minimum price that he amazon would allow him to otherwise he was going to make it free but um <laughs> but yeah no that book is also really good too um the way he that guy in general is again don't want to go on too much of time to that guy in general I, I recently stumbled upon him last year and his way of thinking is so matter of fact and it just makes sense he's not trying to like he's not a guru or anything i think one of the things he says is I'm not a guru I'm just a shepherd or a, you know I'm just telling you how I did it I'm not telling you how to do it right and and um he's just, yeah, he says yeah that's a great book too I would definitely recommend that to people um and then how yeah, many yeah, yeah. and then how many um follow ups there's Follow-up. too much yeah when when are you like okay yeah this this person probably I should probably <laughs> give up on this guy this person so I would say pro tip
1: that's worked for me um is Having a spreadsheet with the people that you've reached out to um and what I do is i will I will have so in the in the rows section, I'll have the email and the name and blah 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 blah, and then in the columns, I'll have one week, two week a month um normally three follow ups for me is enough like if i if I don't get it after that, it's just like yeah, um, and then I'll just tick off when I've sent the follow up so after a week, I'll send. One follow up, two weeks, and then a month. That's my general protocol. I'm not saying like that's the genius way to do it. It's what's worked for me. Um, I feel like you've also got to understand some people just are really bad with checking their emails. So I think it's important not to get disheartened. Like you know, sometimes you can end up in spam, which is another tip I'd probably give people is if you're going to send cold emails, I'd strongly suggest getting another domain. So. If you don't use your own personal email, that is probably best. So personally, I don't I don't use my actual personal copywriting email when I send cold emails. What I do this is probably gonna get a bit technical, but anyway. Um it's it's valuable for anyone who's trying to send cold emails on a mass basis. This is this is definitely useful information. You wanna have a domain that is closely linked. Perhaps your your real domain, so say for example it's uh, xyz.com, you might go, uh, you might get another domain which is xxyz.com, and that will redirect to your original domain. So even if someone you you send the email and someone wants to search the email that you sent from, it will still redirect to your original domain. Now, the point of that is a lot of uh, these email providers so people like gmail and hotmail um uh yahoo a lot of these big guys they have what are called deliverability checkers so if they discover that either you're sending out too many emails that are like have spam keywords in them or like uh, there's loads of different reasons why they might blacklist you you can end up in people's spam and then obviously if you end up in people's spam that's it you're done you 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 could write the best proposal ever you're never going to get seen so Yeah, Uh, the advantage of using an alternate domain is that even if that gets burnt out, you could just start a new one, right? If you burn out your actual domain, not only does that kill your cold outreach, it also kills your ability to communicate with your clients. Because your clients aren't getting your emails because you've just sent spammy emails by accident. Like I'm sure no one intends to send spam to people, but you might have just someone might have clicked you a spam or someone who's received your cold outreach has marked you a spam. You just get maybe three, four clients that do the same thing, or potential clients that do the same thing, and then all of a sudden your your marks are spam for life.
0: That's actually a really amazing tip. I would have never thought of that at all. Um That's that's crazy. Uh, one more question I want to ask you is the sensationalization. So you were kinda of talking about how oh, this is not getting enough likes, this is not getting, you know, like the sensationalized titles and stuff, like when how do you tow that line between because you you do need to create a pattern break or some sort of thing to capture people right when how do you toe that line between sensationalization and like clickbaity stuff versus i want them to stop and click on this like how do you personally do that
1: are we talking about social media or with cold outreach
0: for cold outreach social media copywriting whatever you're doing right you know even if, when you're copywriting for people you need the, the whole point is to make them stop and Read it right, whether mm-hmm. it be an ad or you know a flyer or something like how. How do you kind of toe that line?
1: So there's. It's an interesting question, really. I I find um. It should be you can use clickbaity stuff. It's not. It's not that I I have a problem with it. I just think it has to be related with the message that you're giving. So, for example, what I often do. So personally one of the skills that I think I have is telling stories in my writing. So I find that works for me. So I like to start with like a like an attractive thing that's gonna tell you a story. And you're gonna follow my story all the way to the end and in in going back full circle again, in following that story I'm educating you but then I'm also kind of persuading you. So I'm doing entertaining and I'm selling. And I think that's the best way to do it. So With social media i find that that works a lot but even with even with cold outreach like telling a story of some sort and it doesn't need to be a long story but just something that's going to make someone seem like okay i want to kind of know more is 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 cool but i think it's just making up but i think it's just what bothers me is like um trying to use a, a good example here Actually, let's, let's use, so so I get access to my practice email, right? So I can see what people are sending to us. So I get a lot of SEO agencies and paper lead and Facebook ad agencies that will message our practice and be like, oh, we'll generate 100 Invisalign, uh, no. Uh, no. No, yeah, we'll generate 100 line ads or we'll pay you $10,000. And it's like, that's the subject line. And it's it's, they might be, it might be true. Like they might very well do that but it's so out of the ordinary and it's so like, it just comes off so scammy that I don't even want to open that. Like, I don't have the intrigue to open that. It's got to be something realistic. And I think that's the most important thing. It's like, you can be sensational, but make it somewhat realistic that someone will actually believe the, stas- the statistics that you're putting out there. Um, and the other thing I really hate is like, and, and this is what a lot of copywriting gurus will, would advise people to do is like, be a bit i guess brash so be like i've got co- i've literally got copyright friends that do this they'll be like subject line will be like you're you're leaving money on the table and it's like oh come on man like it's it's just a bit corny
0: yeah man um that's that's interesting but um yeah let's how i guess we can end this on this whole conversation with what kind of what kind of advice do you have what would you have given yourself when you, before you started down this journey and what kind of advice do you give other people? Either why it's important to have, you know, have copywriting people or why it's important to have people like you. But like, yeah, advice you would give yourself and then advice you'd give to other people as to why it's important to have this kind of skill or in, or at least employ somebody that can has this kind of skill.
1: I think advice I would have given myself starting out is probably the advice I would have given myself 15 years ago when I did that job. So just value myself, like... I did a lot of, I've, I think the biggest mistakes I made as a copywriter starting out was not valuing myself enough, and I was, you know, part of it is needed, like you do need to start from the bottom, you can't demand, you know, really high rates when you don't have the social proof to back you up, and that's that's cool, but I think you need to value yourself enough to know what your minimum is, like, I was just taking anything and everything that I could get, whereas now I know exactly what I want, so I think you need to be clear, with what you want and that's probably what I tell myself at the beginning is like okay be clear in exactly what I'm trying to achieve and what clients I'm trying to work with and if it so if if it so happens that okay it takes me two months to land a client so be it right it doesn't mean I need to you know be desperate for to try and get clients for any reason and I, th- I think that just, that's just done for anyone who's trying to start out in any sort of it doesn't even need to be copywriting whatever trying to whatever thing you want to try out Always just know your own value. I think that's the most important thing and the biggest takeaway for me. Um, and in terms of why people need a copywriter, I would say, and this is not only myself, I just think every business needs a copywriter in at, at this point. Like if you don't have one, you are probably um, not communicating as best as you possibly could be. So you might be investing, a lot of businesses are investing literally tens of thousands of pounds Dollars into campaigns and and social media ads and email marketing and all this kind of stuff and it's not generating a return on investment and 9 times out of 10 when I see that and a client's showing me like okay cool I've spent $20,000 on Facebook ads and literally barely seen a return a lot of the time it's just the creative it's, it's what the ad is saying it's not speaking to your customer and that is literally what a copywriter does um, and particularly in healthcare, it's, it's just, just as important. If anything, it's more important to have a skilled copywriter because, as we've touched on, you need someone who's a bit more nuanced than your average copywriter, right? You can't just have someone who's just knowledgeable in sales. I think there's a big advantage in having someone who's who's knowledgeable in healthcare and actually understands the nuances in communicating with patients and things like that. So, yeah, that's probably the, the biggest reasons I would say
0: well sign me up man now uh so <laughs> no that was really good i like that a lot i mean um what's the best way of people reaching out to you so you couldn't you can find me on linkedin
1: um so uh, Mahalingam, that is a long name so it you'll probably find me if you type in sg on um on linkedin and i normally pop like pop up as like the first thing if not the easier way to find me is my website which is mahacopy so m-a-h-a-c-o-p-y dot uk and um yeah you could just book in a a, a call with me that way it's probably the easiest way to reach out with me
0: yeah and i'll have those things linked down down below so um you can click right there but uh i want to say thank you so much for your time i know it's getting well really late there um but yeah (laughs) man really appreciate the time and all the insights i've learned a lot so um i think this will be really informative for the people that listen
1: no thank you man thank you